and welcome to another edition of the Ministry Focus Worship Essentials Podcast. This podcast will focus on looking into biblical standards of worship and how it applies to us as the body of Christ, as well as talking about issues involving worship in today's church. I'm your host, Brian Foster. Let's talk some worship. And again, I just want to say thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Worship Essentials Podcast. And in today's podcast, this will probably be uh, the last part of a series that I have dedicated to the worshipers. Uh, within each church, just the regular members of the body of Christ. And in in the next podcast, I'll be uh, returning the focus uh, back to worship leaders, what our roles are, what are we supposed to do as worship leaders, and what God has called us to do as worship leaders. So for today, let me get started by diving into the Word of God like I always do. And I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. In verses 19 and 20, the Word of God says, What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and you are not your own? For we are brought with a price. Let me say that again, because I think I misspoke. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. The dwelling place of God... Where he is to be honored in worship is important. Now, in Solomon's day, it was the holy of holies inside of the temple. Today, that dwelling place is inside me and inside you. In church life, we spend a lot of time talking about the temples which we meet on Sundays. We invest in them, show them off, care for them, and keep them as updated as we can afford. Can you say the same of your own temple, your body? Your body is a temple. God is interested in the condition of the dwelling place of His Holy Spirit, which is your body. When you honor it, you honor Him. Father, I thank You for another opportunity, Lord, to come on the air, to speak, and and to teach uh, more about worship. Father, I thank You for this platform that You have granted me, and I pray, Father, that You would use it for Your honor and glory. Lord, hide me behind Your cross. Speak words through me. And, Father, I pray that those who hear it will take it, use it, and apply it in their everyday walk with you. And, Father, I just give you all the praise, the honor, and the glory for what you have done and for what you will continue to do. And we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. In the story of Jesus and the woman at the well... During their conversation, Jesus stated that true worshipers should uh, shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. If you are like me, you probably wondered for the longest period of time what Jesus meant when he said that. What is the difference? Why do we need to do both? What does it mean to worship in spirit and in truth? On today's podcast, I'll try to explain as simply as I can without going into a a deep theological dive of what it means to worship our Lord in spirit and in truth. I have three main points that I'm going to bring out and that I'm going to go over with you to help you understand what worshiping in spirit and in truth really means and why we should worship God in this manner. So first of all, 
I want to turn to John chapter 4, verses 1 through 29, okay? And as you go through this, and as you uh, and if you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to turn to them right now. Uh, if not, I'm going to read this particular passage to you. And in this is going to be the account of when Jesus met the woman at the well. Now, this just didn't happen by happenstance. This took place because God had appointed a time for this to take place. Okay, and so I want to start and I'm going to try to read as quickly as I can. But if you want to, you can read it later and that's fine. John chapter four, beginning with verse one. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed in uh, again into Galilee and he must needs to go through Samaria. Again, this was not a happenstance. This was planned. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink, for his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? Now again, during this time, the Jews and the Samarians uh, were very separate. Uh, the Jews looked down upon the Samaritans, uh, Samarians because they felt like they were inferior to them. Let's just put it like that. As we go forward in the scripture in verse 10, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of me, of, uh, of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. For whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. Talking about the well water. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus said unto, uh, saith unto her, Excuse me, Go, call thy husband, and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou hast is not thy husband, and that sayest thou truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus, uh, Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship ye now, excuse me, ye worship ye uh, know not what. We 
know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is the Spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. In verse 26, Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. And upon hearing this came his disciples, and marveled that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou, or what talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that I have did that I have did. Is not this the Christ? And then they went out of the city and came unto him. I'm going to stop right there because the the crux of what I wanted to talk about today deals with what he said was worshiping in spirit and in truth. What does that mean? So let's take a look at what worshiping in spirit is. Now, the Greek word for spirit is called pneuma, which could also mean breath or wind. Worshiping in spirit as being filled with the breath of the wind of God's presence. Now, you remember, if you, if you uh, remember back in the book of Acts, when the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples in the upper room, they said it was like a mighty rushing wind. So the Holy Spirit came in like a mighty uh, rushing wind uh, into their lives and into their ministries. So you have the worshiping in spirit, which also means that you are engaging the heart and the soul, your inner being. You're also connecting with God on a deeper level, and you are allowing the Holy Spirit to guide and inspire. Okay? So... That gives you a little bit of a breakdown of what worshiping in the Spirit is connected to. Now let's take a look at what it means to worship in truth. Now the Greek word here for truth means or is aletheia, which means the state of not being hidden, the state of being evident. It also means factuality or reality. Now, worshiping in truth means aligning with God's words and his teaching, because the Bible is the truth. His word is truth. So we have to align ourselves with that, being genuine and authentic in worship, and then seeking God's truth in all aspects of life. It was just earlier today that I was speaking with a, a dear sister of mine, and we were talking about worship, and uh, you know, her comment was, I see a lot of people in the places in the churches that I go, and they're more focused on when the service is going to end compared to what the service is all about. And it frustrates her, and, and, and it, it, it caused her um, to really be disappointed sometimes in how some of the actions of people are, because then she knows that their worship is not really genuine. They're just checking off a box. And that's just a sad fact of the church today. A lot of folks will come in just to check the box off, just to say, okay, I've been there, done that, got my good word for the week, now I'm ready to roll and do whatever I want to do Monday through Saturday. Okay? So they'll pick up a hymn book, and they'll sing, and I have seen it 
many, many times over my years in ministry, you could be singing victory in Jesus, and some of these folks looked like they had just had lost their their pet cat. And, you know, they just had this sad countenance upon them. Or they came in after arguing with their spouse and their children and uh, getting on to them about wanting to get to church. And so they're as mad as a wet hornet, and they're singing, and they look like they're as mad as a wet hornet. So their worship is not going to be really genuine. It's not going to be really focused. And that's what worshiping in truth needs to be about is it has to be genuine and authentic. You can't come in and, 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 and expect me as a worship leader or the members of my choir or the praise team to get you to worship. That's not how it works. And if you've listened to previous podcasts, you, uh, I've said repeatedly, worship begins between you and God. That's where it starts. It starts in your heart. It starts in your home. Then you bring it together as a corporate body, uh, as the, the body of believers, and you lift up praise together. Okay, But some people still don't understand that concept, and I'm hoping, and my prayer is, through this podcast, you understand better what your role is and what you need to be about as a true worshiper. To kind of boil it down a little bit for you, to worship in spirit and in truth is putting your our minds and attention, uh, our minds attention and our hearts affection on God. Let me say that one more time. It's putting our minds attention and hearts affection on God. The best explanation I can give you to explain how to worship in spirit and in truth is starting with my wife. Now we've been married twenty five years, and let's just say that uh, if I, I had a mental connection with her, like I loved her because of her physical attributes, she has long brown hair, she has hazel eyes, she's about five foot four, and uh, she drives a white car, and that's it. Now, if I was to tell her that I loved her just for that, she would be like, "I don't feel any love from this guy whatsoever." He has all the facts down, but man, there's no emotion like it. He doesn't wake up feeling like he loves me. He doesn't express to me his inner love. That's the truth uh, side of things. But now the opposite is also true. Now, if I was just going to be like all poems and, and love songs for him, and I'm just writing stuff and drawing pictures and, you know, just like, oh, honey, my heart is just yours. And you know how I just wake up today and I can't even imagine one second without you in my life. And I don't even want to go to work today just because I just want to just sit here and be with you because my heart is yours. Now, she would probably call the mental health people on me <laughs> on that occasion, but that would be the extreme side or the spiritual side. So if you take the two and combine them, I fell in love with her. Of course, she caught my eye. She caught my physical eye with uh, the, the way she looked, the beauty that, that she held in her. But then as I got to know her and I got to spend more time with her, I fell in love with the person she is, what her attributes were, what her personality was, what was inside of her, 
So that's how we have to look at worshiping in spirit and in truth. Yes, we love God because we know He exists. We know that He's all-powerful, He's all-knowing, He's omnipotent, He blesses us, He grants us His grace and mercy. But also we worship Him for just being our God. We worship Him because He never breaks a promise. We worship Him because He has blessed us exceeding and abundantly above all that we could ask or think. He's given us health. He's he's given us so many things, so many blessings, seen and unseen. So we, but we also worship what he says in his word. I mean, let me rephrase that. We worship him because of what he says in his word. The promises that he's kept for us. The way he has instructed us that we should live for him. He's done so much for us. So there is where we go and talk about worshiping in spirit and in truth. Now, what is the importance of that? What is the importance of worshiping in spirit and in truth? Number one, it deepens our relationship with God in that we begin experiencing intimacy with God. We start growing in love and devotion, and it strengthens our faith and our trust in Him. But also... It's reflecting God's character by demonstrating reverence and awe, by displaying humility and surrender, and embodying God's love and grace. Now, what about practicing worship in spirit and in truth? How do we get to how do we get to that part? Well, we start by cultivating a heart of worship. Now, how do we cultivate this? We start developing a consistent prayer life. We start engaging in personal Bible study and meditation and participating in corporate worship and fellowship. I have some friends that I've been talking to, and, you know, their argument sometimes with me is, you know, when I invite them to church, well, I can worship God anywhere. Yeah, you can, but how do you grow? Well, I'll read God's Word. Okay, so you read God's Word, but do you understand what God's Word says? Well, sometimes. Well, that's why we have a pastor. He explains these things to us. You know, that's how we begin to grow, and we begin to understand God's Word when we've got the man of God that is willing to study and to preach the Word and the the unredacted word of God. He doesn't put his own theories into it. He preaches it just as God wrote it and inspired the writing to it. So not only do is, is there a strong need to get in church and be under the preaching of the word uh, while we worship, you also have to develop that prayer life, that everyday talk with God. And also, you have to engage in Bible study and meditation. I could not do and operate as a worship leader any other way. If I did not ask God's guidance and direction every day for my life, and especially when I got ready to get up and minister uh, through worship and in music uh, to his to his uh, people, then 
I would be an ultra, I would not have lasted this long in worship ministry because it takes constant prayer. I cannot do this under my own power. Me sitting behind this microphone and talking, it's, it's still nerve-wracking to me from time to time, but the Holy Spirit calms me down because He's placed a message on my heart that He wants you to listen to, and He wants you to try to adapt into your heart and learn how to worship Him better and understand what it really, truly means to worship Him. So constant prayer life, Bible study and meditation, and participating in church are very important to cultivating that heart of worship, but also embracing a lifestyle of worship, offering our whole lives as a living sacrifice. Just like it says in Romans 12, 1, where Paul said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So we just can't go in half-heartedly and expect, okay, well, I've worshipped today. I've sung a song. I stood up when I was supposed to stand up and sat down when I was supposed to sit down. No, this is an all-or-nothing proposition. If you're going to be a true worshiper, you've got to sacrifice your heart, mind, body, and soul to the Lord and be totally surrendered to Him in praise and worship every day, not just on Sundays, not just on Wednesdays. Every day, we have to be surrendered and offer our whole lives as a living sacrifice. Also, to embrace the lifestyle, we serve others and love with compassion. I love what I do as a music minister, and I have loved uh, to have been in ministry for as long as I have, and I give God all the glory. I enjoy giving back what God has given me, whether that's my time, my talent, whatever it may be. It's a joy to me to do that. And so I love to to be a service to others because I know what God has done for me, what he's poured into me, and I want to pour that right back out. Then you honor God in all areas of your life. Being a worshiper is a 24-7 proposition, folks. I can't stress that enough. It's just not on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday nights. It's every day, 24-7. You worship when you get in the car and you crank up the radio and you listen in, uh, to the Triumphant Quartet or the, or the Wisnets or to Chris Tomlin uh, or, or to Phil Wickham and you're singing their songs. That's an act of worship. You do that. I do that every day. When I go to work and when I come home, I'm worshiping. Um, whether I realize it or not, sometimes I'm worshiping. So it's an everyday um occurrence that needs to be a part of our lives because if you start doing it every day and you do it in your own in your own personal way between you and the Lord then when you come together on Sunday morning Sunday night and Wednesday night you can be that example to someone who still may be a little confused about how to worship and when to worship or they may be intimidated into you know uh, by worshiping uh, you show them through your personal worship that it's okay whether it's lifting up praise, lifting up holy hands, or standing in holy reverence. Either way, you're setting that example for that one who's keeping their eyes on you. Now, in 1 Samuel fifteen twenty two, 
Samuel tells Saul that obedience is better than sacrifice. This can reinforce the idea that true worship involves not only our words and songs, but also our actions and our obedience to God's commands. As a final thought uh, before we end the podcast today, the nuts and bolts of worship and spirit and truth bore down to worshiping God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul, as Jesus commanded us in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. If you can't praise him for anything else, even on those days when you don't feel like it, praise him that he has given you breath to live, a roof over your head, and a promise of everlasting life if you place your faith and trust in him. And with that, We've come to the end of another uh, Worship Essentials podcast. I appreciate you giving me some of your time today to listen. And until next time, keep a song in your heart and keep Jesus in the center. So long for now. <laughs>